We are the creators of reality. Those who have mastered perseverance, those who thrive despite attempts to thwart us, those who make magic at the root of the very trees they hung us from. We are the mountains and the rivers. We are the sun and the moon. We are sand and gems. We are the first and the final. We be big and small. We be light and dark. We be seasoned and youthful. We be sensual and sacred. Those gifted and divine. Those powerful and radical. Those vibrant and ancestral. We are the creators of reality. We are the Black Oasis. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Oasis Podcast. I'm your host, Kaya Supreme, and this is the place where we lay it all down. We are so blessed and honored to have today's guest on the podcast. Y'all have no idea. This guest, this beautiful, brilliant, well-moisturized Black man (laughs) is... Not only my former professor, but one of my spiritual teachers and guides. He is, and I'm, I'm going to say some things. He's going to chuckle. He may not agree with these things, right? But I'm going to say it because this is who he is to me. He <laughs> is kind, patient, loving, supportive, brilliant. When I say brilliant, the information this man has in his head, and I mean, it's literally uncanny. I don't know anyone else who holds this much knowledge. He is selfless. He is determined, disciplined. You can tell how much he loves himself and therefore black people by the way he treats himself. His self-care is outstanding. If we were in person, everybody should bow. Just bow right now. (laughs) Ladies, gentlemen, and non-gender conforming friends, I have the privilege to introduce the great Dr. Eric Bridges. Thank you you so much. Thank you so much. I'm just going to say this, but I like learn so much just from like talking talking to you and just being <laughs> around you. I learned so much about how to be uh, a better person. I learned Aww. how to be a better person. So it means so much to me to be on your show. Thank you. You have uh, changed my life in such a short amount of time. And I feel like it was spirit led. And 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 I'm, I'm glad that like my Ori was in a position to be able to identify an elder and know that I needed to walk with this particular elder. And um, and so today, um, I'll ask you some of the standard questions that I ask all of my guests, okay. and then we'll get into the beauty that is you. So okay. first, you have another name, and I would like you to share those names and what they mean. So I will actually start with, the way it's listed here is, Ifashola Ajigunwa, as a Yoruba practitioner, the names are sacred. They actually come through divination. Mm. So, my name Ajigunwa is an Ogun name. Ogun is the Orisha of civilization, uh, war. A lot of people uh, 
misconstrue who he really is and think that for some strange reason he's just a brute but he is just as comfortable in the woods as he is in the city he is a poet and my name Ajigunwa is in honor of him and it means he who straightens character listen <laughs> come on it's he who straightens character so that is definitely an honor to have that name to it's not even a burden it literally came through divination and so I when I was initiated to Yemonja and so uh, the spirit Yemonja and all of the other Orisha and my ancestors were like no he has to have an Ogun name not a Yemonja name so my priest name in Yemoja is not a Yemoja name it's an Ogun name it is uh, he who straightens character that was divine one of my colleagues at Clayton State we were on a retreat and she asked me she said in front of all of the um, people who were not African descent immediate African descent she said what does your name Ajigunwa mean I've seen it on social media but what does it mean so I smiled and I said, it means he who straightens character. She was like, that's you. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, that's you. That is you. That is you. And she said, not in a harsh way. That's the beauty of it. Like, it's not in a harsh way. Like, the, the delivery when you do it is so, uh, so much of care is there that the person knows that you are, you know, like telling them, this is what we need to improve upon, but you do it with such love and beauty so i was like okay my name ifashola is the name i was um, given when i was initiated to ifa loosely it means ifa brings me honor and reverence and abundance uh, some people say wealth because of the ola but ifashola honor abundance reverence and wealth come on and all those things are so true. Um, and just walking with you and spending time with you and studying under you. Um, the, your, the way that you straighten character is by living it. And, and I mean that by saying you have a standard. Even in your classroom, you are very clear, transparent, and direct about what's acceptable. You don't give any tasks that are absolutely outrageous and un. un and unheard of I mean like your understanding at the same time you still expect people to perform and that's because you do the work um, your fitness routine and lifestyle is wild to me I'm trying to get like you but my mind can't even comprehend what you do can you just share some of the um, some of the exercises or um, some of the practices that you have around your physical fitness and so, your and your health. Yeah. So if I may, um, the older I get, uh, the more I appreciate the ability to move my body. Number one, and then to appreciate where I am spiritually and psychologically. And I really started incorporating that into my physical work that I do. And so honestly, honestly, if I may call you by your or, or, or you're by name, Ogun Baby, you can correct me. 
Um, honestly, I look at working out like play. Like literally, I, that's what I do. I, I remember I was in LA Fitness some years ago and I was working out with my workout partner and we work out, we would work out really intense. And everybody was like, wow, they just beast. And we both looked at each other, it's like, we feel like we're on a playground. And mm-hmm. like, that is literally, I get fun from working out. I really do. It is, I'm, stu- I'm studying that now, play, particularly as it's needed for people of African descent. Because before when I was younger, I used to look at workout as if it was very much militaristic I did it was like very much structured da 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 and as I as I mature I let go so so much of the militarism that was involved in my work now like they used to call me a beast and I used to revel in that however the older I get I was just like I don't want to be known as the beast I want to be I, I work out from the spirit that is very important and to have fun when I'm doing it and that is you know that is central like I, I, I started off actually I don't know if you know this I don't think many people who know me personally now like now know this was about me when I was a child like it was I was raised with uh, my brother who we share the same mom uh, and so the two of us were uh, chunky as they say, we, our parents ordered our clothes from J.C. Penney's and Sears catalog, and we would always have to get the husky clothes. And so that's a running joke among me and my brother, Adrian. So my mom was actually, she had, when I was really, really little, she was a practicing Buddhist. And so she, I would have to take care of her shrine and she would do her chant you know and i want to be respectful but the chant that is pretty much well known she would do it and she also meditated and so one of the things she didn't want her sons to be you know she didn't want us to you know let our weight get out of hand so she it became and i think in all transparency, I think that's the reason why I used to look at working out like militaristic because that was one of the dark sides because the way we were introduced to exercise was through the fact that our mom did not want us to be, you know, uh, thick boys. And mm-hmm. so we were athletic. It's just the way we were built. And so we were expected to, you know, play outside. And it was very militaristic. Like we had to be outside at eight o'clock and we couldn't come back home until seven and we can come home and, and eat at 12. So it was so regimented. Oh my, oh my, oh, and shoot. That's like deep because I'm like working through some stuff right here. Cause I was like, yeah, why was I so militaristic when I was in my twenties and, th- and that's why it was very much regimented. And uh, to be honest with you, like you said, you know, uh, I'm transparent. I, I I can honestly say during those times that I had a uh, an eating disorder, but not in the sense that people would think it was over exercise. That's what it was really about. I know you probably didn't expect that, but yeah, like I'm working through it. It was over exercising, so you know there's a form of bulimia that deals with that. And I was a wrestler, all of that. They're notorious for having that. 
So I had to develop a different relationship, you know, with exercise. So when I was in high school, I ran track, cross country, played football. The only the only sport I wanted to play when I was in high school was I wanted to be on the swim team. And the year that I got to high school is the year that my high school got rid of the swim team. If I had, and so if they had had a swim team, that's the only sport I would have participated in. And so I was always so athletic that I had to do something, but I, I literally, the only sport I wanted to do was swim. So when they say that I am a true son of Yamo Jaw, that is really, really real. And so, you know, I, I've always worked out, but what I want to just, what I just want to put forth is that it was a period of my life wherein working out was not something that was, uh, the way I worked out was not something that was conducive to my well-being. Mm-hmm. Now it is, you know, because right, right. I can put it in perspective. Like how how does this how does working out heal me not only physically but psychologically and spiritually? How does it do that? How does it allow me to evolve? Like some days, you know, maybe I can't do this particular thing. And so that teaches me grace. So what I'm saying is like now you see a different uh, uh, health regimen as far as working out, whereas like literally I've incorporated psychological and spiritual. I, I, I hope that answered your question. It absolutely did. Yes, I definitely did answer my question. Um and, and even more so, and I just thank you for your transparency and your vulnerability, because I think when people hear eating disorder, they don't understand there's such a wide variety of, of eating, of, of, of struggles with food, whether yeah. it be over or under, but then necessarily looking at it from the, the uh, exercise lens. And even like you said, with wrestlers, people having to make weight um, and that kind of pressure and what that does with that red, like that repeated kind of practice over time but it makes and then you know to hear that you're you come from a legacy of spirituality you know that your mom had a spiritual practice and understand to be a black woman and to be buddhist that's something that is special you know to to have traveled down that path and i find that to be divine um and so I think um, it makes sense that now you're a priest. Um, you talked about being called spiritually, period, in other spaces and places, but specifically um, when it comes to Orisha practicing. And and really, can you just explain to people what Yoruba culture is, what is Orisha studies uh, being uh, Ifa practitioner? Sure. So the, the the academician in me always wants to go to like the history of who the Yoruba people are. Mm-hmm. And I will do that, but I want to start off with like your Yoruba spirituality is essentially ancestral. It is tied to reverence for ancestors, not only your immediate ancestors who are benevolent, but even when we talk about the Orisha, those are even more elevated Orisha. And then when we talk about the what we call the primordials or the Orumile. So just a quick, quick 
uh, cosmological and philosophical uh, foundation of Yoruba spirituality is Yoruba spirituality is it is centered around who the Yoruba people are. People from uh, West Africa who now find themselves situated in southwestern Nigeria, uh, Togo, uh, Benin, uh, Ghana, parts of Sierra Leone, and actually there are two million Yoruba in the Sudan. A lot of people don't know that. And so people who, the Yoruba people have an intimate relationship and reverence for nature, for uh, who relationship with each other. And by nature, I'm not only just talking about nature on earth, that's their primary, but nature as far as the, the universe. Mm. Where So you have your, the, the, the highest being is Oludumare. And one of the things that is very important for me, because I think as people of, who live in the West, we try to make comparisons to you know, Christianity or Islam, Oludumare right. is not God. It's something beyond. It has no gender. Oludumare is constantly evolving itself. So it's not a perfect being. Right. That has implications on a practical side about who we are, you mm-hmm. know. And so when you have the very deities under Oludumare called the Orisha, who people say are emissaries of Oludumare, but they are living beings who came and made the earth habitable that they are evolving too that they are not perfect that they have flaws and they go and they uh, get divination uh, usually through uh, many times through Ifa who is the second witness to creation and so they go get divination Ifa himself gets divination from his his Babalawo so you have all of this so it is a spiritual system that is centered in ancestor worship and a reverence for uh, uh, nature and also the sacredness of not only humans relationships with nature but humans relationships with one another and so it is a very much a spiritual system that is uh, contextualized if I may for the African people who found themselves in West Africa. It has now exploded. Uh, a lot of it was due to the transatlantic slave trade, the Maafa. So when the Yoruba were taken out of West Africa, so the Yoruba was some of the last people, but when they were taken out of West Africa, it was done with a vengeance. Uh, the greatest percentage of them were taken to Brazil and Cuba. And then substantial numbers were brought to the United States. But in Brazil and Cuba, particularly Brazil, I think uh, I think I want to say, don't quote me on this. I think I want to say like 25 percent of the uh, Yoruba that were taken out of West Africa were brought were taken to Brazil. Mm. And so the spiritual system uh, really flourished there uh, and in Cuba. And so it is a spiritual system that is growing by leaps and bounds. And it's more than just spirituality, even though spirituality is everything. It's culture, it's history, it's food. It is the way we socialize, the way we, uh, the way we, we love, the way we raise our children, 
is very much a culture. Mm. It's a culture. And I think a lot of times we have to stress that it's, you know, it's not separate from the way we live. It's, it's, it's life. It's the way you live as if you practice this spiritual system, it's the way you live. And at the, at the heart of it is the whole, the most important thing because people say, oh, you all worship the Orisha. They can call, the Orishas are, people try to say they're like equivalent of angels, but that's not what they are. The Orisha, just the Orisha. I'm not one of those people who always tries to equate things with European <laughs> and Islamic ways of, I mean, Arabic ways of, conceptualize the universe they just the orisha stop saying they like oh angels they equivalent no that's not what they are that's not what they are they orisha and so uh at the core what we really worship as a people who say we practice uh west african spirituality in the form of ifa is that we worship something called iwapwele which is is balanced character that's what good character that's what we worship that is ultimately, and that in and of itself is the way we live our lives. You know, always the, we the, know the, we're not perfect, but you strive to have good character. That's right, and even the term "balanced," you know, balanced character, like that—that that is something so different and removes judgment, right? Because I feel like I see people judging what is good character or what you know that's not right, that's wrong. But balance has room for both, I would say both sides, but more than one possibility. And um, I just like to think about the, like a lot of black people in the West, like you said, are indoctrinated into spiritual systems that glorify European traditions and practices. And when you take the chance to uh, practice a spiritual system that's rooted in your own divinity as an African person, it really shifts the way you see the world. It really exactly. like Growing up, I went to a private school, shout out to St. Michael's, and every person in the position of power looked was white. Every person, every, Jesus was white, they were white, and it was all these little black children running around in uniforms. Uh, being indoctrinated into those that we went to mass, we were praying to St. Peter and all these other, you know, Catholic deities. And, and then, and I'm in my late twenties and I get introduced to Ogun and I get introduced to Oshun and I get used introduced to all these other energies and deities that look like me and aren't perfect and are flawed. It's liberating because there's so many uh, black people who are walking around with such internal judgment and hatred because of what they were indoctrinated into. Sexual beings who resent themselves because they were told they had to be virgins until marriage. You know, th- those kinds of things. Exactly. Um, that, that Ifa allows you to do away with and recreate your reality in a way that's balanced. Exactly. That, that's beautifully said. It really is. It is quite liberating. I was just telling my students in my psychology of the Africana experience class about like what it, how the religion, spirituality, and culture for African people has to be liberatory, mm-hmm. and it has to be because you know 
the religion that we were given when we were enslaved was one where and it was a God who was very judgmental. Mm -hmm. And if you did not live up to his standards, then you were less than. You going to hell. You going to <laughs> hell. It's just that you it, it would and you could I mean, to be quite honest, the, the whole law system and that religion that we were given, no, everybody was going to go to hell according to, because it was just like, oh, you can't do, you can't, can't do, do nothing. We are all going to hell. And so that was just like, wow, you know, and, 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 and so imagine if you were enslaved and that was just drilled into who mm -hmm. you were. It's, it is, it is so traumatic and debilitating and just breaks you it just breaks you and yeah. that's one of the reasons i think it's many of the reasons why we one of the main reasons why we walk around with so much pain as black people mm -hmm. and 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 so you've actually you know you have a book tell us about your book and 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 what inspired you to create it my book is uh book along with doctors Lawan Simpson Wilkie and <clears throat> Sheila McCoy Smith is uh, awakening and uh, recovering the African feminine divine and literature arts and practice Yemonja awakening and the believe it or not the impetus for the book I haven't shared this with a lot I don't I don't even think you know this the impetus for the book, one day I was in my office at Clayton State. I should have just said where the university where I work, because sometimes I just don't feel like. But anyway, that's <laughs> let me not go there. Uh, I was in my office at work, and Dr. Uh, Simpson Wilkie, she called me. And she's an English uh, professor uh, at, a, at a university here in Metro Atlanta. And her area especially is African-American literature. And her specific area says she loves Zora Neale Hurston and, and Toni Tony Morrison and Alice Walker. So she loves them. So she called me one day and she had been reading something by Zora Neale Hurston. And it was a picture of a beautiful sister with satin ebony skin who was full figure. And she was draped in blue and she was drinking coffee at a table and she said the picture was so stunning so she called me so she said Eric Spirit told me and Dr. Simpson Wilkie is a Christian she said Spirit told me to call you because this picture I'm looking at has to be something spiritual that has to have something to do with West African or So I'm listening to her. I already figured out. I was like, that is a motif of Yabo Ja. Mm -hmm. And she was like, and I said, and she went by me sharing this. I said, you know, Dr. Simpson Wilkie, for you to be a devout Christian who I respect and honor, for real, like those themes pop up in your life all the time. And she said, you know, the funny thing, Eric, is that she said, I love Jesus. And so I will continue worshiping Jesus. But I've always had an affinity to this Orisha. Mm. I said, wow. I said, to be honest with you, I, I kind of sensed that that Orisha was close to you as well. 
So, you know, she introduced me to Dr. Sheila McCoy Smith, who is a a worshiper of Yabo Jah herself. She is a brilliant sister, like straight up. She's like my mentor. Like I look up to her and she is very much a Yabo Jah worshiper. And I sometimes I'm always like in awe, like of that kind of power. Wow. And uh, we we decided, no, uh, Dr. Simpson Wilkie said she had a friend at Lexington Press who reached out to her and said, do you all think y'all can do a book on, uh, uh, on, 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 on West African Orisha? That's what she said. So Dr. Simpson Wilkie was like, sure. I know two other people and the rest is history. And so wow. we did this edited volume. So literally... Like literally, Yabo Job was like Yabo Job handed us that project, the three of us. And we kind of made a pact among the three of us that even though we may write our own separate books, that we will always revisit and do a book on a different Orisha together. But Yabo Job was the Orisha we had to start off with. Yabo Job, the Orisha of the Ogun River. And as she came with her children who were enslaved, she came and became uh, Yemoya, and they gave her the day, they worshiped her as the top part of the ocean because they were like a river just gently rocking her, ch- her children, even though they were going into horrendous, beyond horrendous, let's not even play, beyond horrendous. But we could even conceive of like like the worst nightmares. That's why like me and you have this thing about horror movies. I think for me personally, the reason why I can watch horror movies and laugh is because I was just like, oh please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what did our ancestors go through? And that's we did this book, this edited volume. And Yamo just spoke in many different voices. And it's like one, I'm a I'm a hype up. One, this brother named Dr. Michael Lindsay. He's also an English professor, and he um, he he wrote a chapter on if Bill Street could talk. Mm. The references to Yemoja. I I had never. I watched the movie. This brother was literally pulling out motifs that even initiated priests of Yemoja did not see, and he is not an Orisha worshiper. Wow. And I called him up. Because that's one of my favorite chapters. I said, like, it's literally like she was speaking through you. Like, even the main character, she was he was talking about her last name was Rivers and how she was literally healing her family at the same time she was pregnant. Wow. I, it was it blew my mind. Like, and I said, I did not pay attention to how that, that the family last name was Rivers, and they lived by a river. And literally, she was pregnant, still trying to save her man, who was, you know, wrongly, wrongly convicted. Yep. But literally, it was so deep. Like I was at awe. Like I had never seen anything like that. I read anything like that. I should say. And I called him. I said, "Brother, what?" He said, "Man, I don't even know what I what I was writing it. It was like I didn't have control." He yeah. was like, you know, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a powerful book. It is a book that literally 
ever since I was a child, I I didn't before I knew who Yamonja was, I was dreaming about her. You know, I was dreaming about her even before I knew who she was and and she always walks with me, you know. She always walks with me. And as a man, that means a lot. <laughs> it means a lot. It means uh, that I have a perspective of life that I think is really sacred that most men, I hope, will explore to walk with a divine being that is a woman. Yeah. Who gives like literally as a man? That's where my strength comes from. That's the I, I like. The, that's the thing. That's literally people say, "Oh, people are like, oh, that's a strong brother." I'm just like, no, I have more, but when I need to be strong, that is the Orisha who I pray to. <laughs> we we have to do another a whole other episode because it's. Let me tell you, it's way too much um, that I want to ask you. Um, like. I want to talk about your relationship with your dad because it moves me to tears to think about. But don't get into it now. Save it okay. for you. Don't get into it now. Um, so there's two questions that I ask every guest. And um, the first one is if you had your own oasis, right? An oasis being a place where black people come together and collectively deposit their gifts, creating a paradise. What is one aspect that has to be present for you in order for it to be an oasis? I will have like this lake. And I know it's supposed to be an oasis, but this lake is where people could go to mm-hmm. and literally like shed any pain. Mm. Like cry or whatever and let their tears drop in that lake. And then the lake would literally like take that pain and send it back you know as love wow when i was a younger man i would have never said nothing like that because you know i would have been posturing like you know wow but the older i get like literally i would have that uh, that lake and the lake would not be for anything else is the only reason why i would be there is so people could literally lay their burdens down come on like literally that's and then they walk away and they were like wow because I, I say all that because we just we carry so much around and water is so healing we carry and so I just want in my oasis that it would just be a lot of water like literally you know oasis is like water in the desert so literally yep. it would be like a lot of water that's what would be there you know, it's it's interesting. I will, I will, uh, since you said it, like that would be, I'm gonna go even further. I don't know if you saw the underworld, I forgot which one it was. So, your listeners, they're gonna be like, oh my god, you got a bunch of you know, African horror movies, that problem. <laughs> but in Underworld, the one where in Celine she comes across a vampire coven in the north. Did you see that one? I did. And so these are blonde vampires and they got these kind of crazy spiritual powers. Like they can move really fast. And they're peaceful vampires. So, you know, vampires are just like exploitative and they take life and, you know, vampires are good. (laughs) Anyway, but these vampires, 
they're peaceful and they live of course in a coven and they have a ritual and it's like it's not a forced ritual but they have a ritual centered around water and there is a component of death and they go to the spirit world they immerse themselves they wrap themselves in white they put themselves in the water and when they come back they know it's another world like that's how far like that would be my oasis where people could just like because Celine you know was carried around so much pain because she was a warrior and one of the uh, I think the vampire's name was Lena I think that was her name looked at her and say you you killed and seen so much death and Celine was like I'm tired and so she was like you take this journey I think that's what our people need like we one of the things that we, we just told oh, we strong black people strong resilient black folks need a whole ritual where they could just see like wait a minute there's yeah. something totally more to this universe and we can be more not because anyone is forcing us to be it's because we choose to be for ourselves as individuals that would be what I would have there. Uh, that kind, not even a lake, but a sacred spot where people could go and just literally, literally go into another world and come back and process that right. And literally, man, create, create a new world for themselves. Whether it's just them or they look coven, you know. You're free. Yeah, you free. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I, I and, and you know, I think people are attempting to create those spaces in their own way. And I just tell everybody out there that's trying to create their own lake, lake of, of healing water and love to just keep on going, you know, because that's what you do through your teaching and your education. You know, that's what you do when you open up and share yourself and your space with us, with those of us who are, you know, your spiritual students and 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 through your vulnerability and your transparency you know you give us um such encouragement such guidance such love and situations that you walk with me through where i've been so stressed and anxious and you know you have this very um like calm and indirect way of reassuring and I swear you be knowing stuff and you don't tell me you be knowing stuff, but you just like, you know, you don't, you don't have to talk about it. You just be like, you know, are you, are you, are you stressed? Are you worrying? You know, it's all right. You'll have victory. And so I think that is the equivalent of a lake of healing water. Every time I come sit on your porch, you know, um, it's yeah. something that, that grounds me and centers me. And, um, and I fight to, to prioritize it in my life. Um, and hope that I could just give you a fraction of what you've given me thus far. That means a lot. Really means a lot. That does. It does. Because I think one of the things is, and I I have a godson, as you know, who I'm very close to. And I I gently got on him because a lot of times, I, I really do appreciate you saying it because a lot of times people who are seen as being I don't know if I'm like qualified to say I'm a healer, but I'm not humble enough to say I'm not one. But <laughs> a lot of times people don't realize that we 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 need support. Mm-hmm. 
and we just want to be human as well even though we have like i was i was saying in class like even though like eshu has such a big responsibility but he can't carry anybody else's burdens around and so it's the same thing we have these places where in you just like you don't want you want people you want people who can see your vulnerability yeah there's someone who is very um near to my heart i'm not going to call the person's name because um forgive me for saying oh that time i slipped up because i'm real conscious about it <laughs> you're fine but the person is the person is very essential to who i am and the person actually is a godparent of mine that's all i'm gonna say i, I will say that because i don't want to make it sound so you know oh plate like well the person is a godparent someone who is technically supposed to make sure i'm all right mm-hmm. and the godparent was so wise and so so up like just told me you will be the godchild that i go to when i need help because i just feel so overwhelmed mm. and i felt so honored and the person told me i know i put a burden on you like that's what they say i know i put a burden on you but i don't have anybody else to go to mm. and you will be that godchild so i was like whoa and i said the person asked, why do you feel honored? I say, because I know you go through so much. And I always was concerned about who took care of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, like, I said that emotionally. So, yeah. That's right. Baba, thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I want you to tell us where we can get your book, uh, where people can find you on social media. Oh, okay. Um, now it's on Amazon. Amazon, you can get the book uh, uh, Recovering the African Feminine Divine in Literature, the Arts, and Practice, J. Monjar Awakening on Amazon. But I'm just I'm gonna say this. Usually, you know, authors, we don't say this. Uh wait until May. The reason why I say wait until May to order. Now you can order the hard copy or the uh electronic version. The electronic version, I think is 40 something dollars the hard copy is like 95 but the paperback will come out in may and that will be extremely much cheaper now if you like electronic you know mediums of reading that's inexpensive as well they can find it on amazon uh they can also find it on lexington press you just type in if they go to lexington press they type in the name of the book uh, Recovering the African Feminine Divine in Literature, the Arts, and Practice. Jamie John Awakening. If they go to Lexington Press, the publisher, they can get a copy of it there. Okay. Most people want it quick. So the expedient the expedient method is modality, I should say, is going to Amazon. But like I say, the paperback is coming out in May. I can I can be found on Facebook at Ifa Shola, Ajigunwa, Eric Bridges. That's a lot. People think that's I'm like royalty or something. <laughs> Ifa Shola is spelled I-F-A-S-O-L-A, Ajigunwa, A-J-I-G-U-N, 
W-A. Wow. I'm not going to say them, but I, I just thought about some. Those last three letters. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Eric, E-R-I-C. And Bridges, B-R-I-D-G-E-S. Eric Bridges. I mean, Ajigua. Ipashola Ajigua. Eric Bridges on Facebook. On Instagram, it is Ipashola I-F-A-S-O-L-A under slash Ajigunwa A J I G U N W A. I also, uh, believe it or not, I'm also on Twitter, but I hardly ever go on Twitter. I think I, I go by Dr. Eric Bridges on Twitter. I I don't use TikTok. I think I have a TikTok <laughs> account, but I'm never on there. <laughs> so. Those, but the two main ones are Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and I'm also on LinkedIn, just at Eric Bridges, Dr. Eric Bridges. I don't use that one much either. What was the other question you asked me? Other, type, other thing I was supposed to make sure I share? Um, if there's anything that you want people to pay attention to, look out for coming from you. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, so I, as you know, and um, it's an honor, I'm going to put you on blast. Me and Drs. LaJuan Simpson-Wilkie and Sheila McCoy-Smith, we are doing a second book on Orisha studies through Lexington Press. This one is on Ifa, using Ifa as a global paradigm for the 21st century and beyond. So we're exploring how the Orisha and the corpus, the literature, Ifa can literally as we say, as Ephi worshipers, mend our broken world. And I, this one is, it's, it's really funny because my colleagues, they they know that the order is based on my spiritual initiation. So we did Yemoja first, we do Ephi second, and we plan to do some more. But this one is going to be like, just as important to me because Whereas Dr. Lamar Simpson-Wilkie, she took the lead as the lead editor. I'm the lead editor on this one. And so we've actually gotten more uh, chapter submissions than we did for Yemoja, uh book on Yemoja Awakening. And so it's in, and it's in, I, this time I wanted younger voices. So the host of Black Oasis is one of the contributors. I want to go ahead and say that. <laughs> So uh, I wanted younger voices and I wanted I wanted a mix, but I, I'm very strategic about making sure younger voices are heard uh, this go around because primarily it was in the Yamoja text, it was scholars and practitioners. This time around, you'll have a nice mix of uh, practitioners. We have some practitioners who are very well known. I, I will say that. I'm not going to say who they are. And it was an honor because I was like, whoa. And I told my colleagues, I was like, snap. Do you see who sent in a chapter? They were like, whoa. I was like, so. Then it, it was just like, but to be honest with you, <laughs> the best proposals came from the new heads. And I'm not just saying that to fluff you up. I mean, seriously, the best proposals came from the young people. And I was just like, 
this is this is deep. I was never gonna share that, but <laughs> so it's gonna probably make some people mad. But yeah, the best proposals came from like the young brothers and sisters who I you know who I asked to contribute, and they were all nervous, including yourself. And Very. Because I, like, I was just like, oh my god. And I, I called I called one of the young brothers. I was just like, I was like, you was all nervous. I was like, all the young people stuff is so tight. I was like, the old heads, they just like, cause they knew we weren't gonna turn them down. So they just sit in it. <laughs> Some of them did, not all of them. Right. Yeah, Thanks. that is. And also uh, one of the things I have to get better about like the wellness the wellness work that I want to do with our people. So this summer, once I get everything finalized with my sister, who's the travel agent, I'm taking small group of people down to one of my favorite spots as far as healing. I do a lot of physical and spiritual healing in this tiny little nation that a lot of people are just now finding out about, but now everybody's is Ecuador, and it has a huge ecotourism. Ecotourism, that's it, just ecotourism. And I'm gonna develop a whole business around literally the wellness, wellness packages, trips, all of that for black people. And that's that's part of my work as the Yabo John Ifa priest. Uh, I don't know if I will do any divinations on the trip. I just want people to just heal. And it's near a lot of water. So I'm going to do that. And I also need to get, I also have, believe it or not, a blog on Substack. I haven't written on it in a few months. And I was just like, this weekend, I, I, uh, I need to write on so I'm on Substack. For those people who know about Substack, it's a an independent uh, independent uh, medium that people who are writers and artists like you control your like your material, like yours. It's yours, and you can publish it. You don't have to go through any journal. Like you can publish it, and you can charge for it if you choose to. So I always tell, especially young people, man, who like have these brilliant ideas. So. I got a lot in the pot. Yes, you do. <laughs> We're going to have you back because there's so much. So we, I mean, like, literally, that was the tip of the iceberg. It's ridiculous. Um, so make sure you follow him. Make sure you purchase his book. Make sure, um, you know, you, you take some time for yourself to investigate things that may have been demonized historically by society. Don't fear African spirituality. Um, just see what things are like for your own two eyes. Do some research. And um, Baba, again, just thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm going to see you when I get back in town. <laughs> and That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and thank you for the opportunity to contribute to your book. I mean, my gosh, like, I'm shaking in my boots, but I'm going to rise to the occasion because I ain't scared. So... Thank you, everyone, for listening to Black Oasis. Um, Continue to support. Thank you for your support thus far. You can check out the website at www.blackoasis.org or follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Black Oasis ATL. And until next time, stay Black, but you don't really have a choice. And lucky you. 
Peace. Peace.